This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Rooney! Oh, wonderful! What a goal! Aguero! Staggering! Just staggering! Here's the chance, and there's the hat-trick! Episode 2, Extra Time, we've made it this far, how far will we go? Who knows, welcome back everybody, welcome back to episode 2 of Extra Time with me, Liam Horobin. Obviously a pretty big midweek in European football. Champions League is back, baby. We had four games on the slate. Yesterday we had, let me run through this and try and remember, PSG and Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich won 1-0. We'll get into that a little bit. AC Milan, Tottenham. AC Milan won 1-0 at the San Siro. I want to talk about that game, definitely. I think, honestly, we're going to talk about all of them. I don't know why I keep saying we'll talk about one or the other. Club Bruges, Benfica. Benfica ruined a 1-0 party, beating Club Bruges 2-0 in Scott Parker's first Champions League match as a manager. And finally today, or yesterday, in six minutes when it turns midnight here in Edmonton, we had Chelsea versus Dortmund, which I think was probably the tie of the first four matches of the round of 16. I think that one was very fun, and we'll get into that too. But one other thing that happened during the week, which I thought was quite funny, was that Manchester City and Arsenal clashed for first place in the Premiership, and they just put it on on a Wednesday on the first week back of the Champions League. Like, come on, surely somebody is looking at that schedule and thinking, you know what? Maybe we should maybe we should reschedule this one. I don't know when you do it. Maybe you do it in a couple of weeks after these Champions League ties are over. But I feel like that one, uh, people, a few more people might have tuned in for any of the games, I suppose. But I, I haven't actually watched that one yet. I know City obviously won. Spoiler alert, 3-1, now top of the league. Arsenal do have a game in hand still. So we'll see if Arsenal can pull back. I did bank on Arsenal to win the Premier League this season. When no, at the start of the season, that would have been kind of nutty of me to be honest. But I think it was like four or five games in. I, I said on kicked back that I think Arsenal will, will take it far. And now, to their credit, they were missing a couple of players. Obviously, Gabriel Jesus has been out for a while. Thomas Party didn't play. So if both those players were in the lineup, 
would they have made a big difference? Probably. Probably. But also, you are going up against Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. Neither team has been in great form, but I did see a stat that said that Pep Guardiola has never lost at the Emirates Stadium as the manager of City. I think there was a draw in there, but all the other ones were were wins for City. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe City slip up and Arsenal are able to regain the lead. Like I said, they do have that game in hand, so that's going to be big. So we'll see what happens. Real Madrid also won 4-0 today. To be honest, off the top of my head, I can't remember who they played. But today, the main focus and the main focus for this show is the Champions League. Just ran through the scores there. So the way I'm going to do this one today is I'm not... I can't talk about every single game in great detail. I I do have a life. I got people I got to please. So I just... I watched most of the games. I watched all of... Actually, I watched three or four. The only one I haven't really fully watched is Club Bruges and Benfica. So if you're a Club Bruges fan... Or a Benfica fan, let me know what you what you thought of that game. You can hit me up at Liam Horribin on Twitter. Liam.horribin.pods on Instagram. That's my new account. You can also find us on the 90th minute. YouTube, TikTok. I'm not on TikTok yet. I forgot my password. I forgot my password. So I gotta regroup on that one and uh get that one logged back in so we can give you more content on there. But for the 90th minute, this a lot of this will go up on YouTube. And then also Instagram and Twitter. Maybe I said Instagram twice. I can't remember. And then also you can find this podcast if you're listening. I don't know. Maybe you're listening on Spotify. You can also find it on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, I believe. So stay on the lookout for that. There's also other 90th minute podcasts you can listen to. Caroline over at Kicked Back just spoke with someone from ESPN, which is pretty sweet. I believe he's a, like a Polish legend of some sorts. I... I'm not going to spoil his name. I'll let you go and find out for yourself who that's all about. And then the boys over on the Sunday League Pundits, the OG squad of the 90th minute, are doing a career mode right now. Actually, Waz was telling me the other day he got sacked from his own career mode with Northampton Town, who I think are in League 2 now, got relegated third in the league because he didn't hit one of his budget goals or something like that. He was very disappointed. So go and check out their, their uh, career mode. And then check out what other content we've had there. But anyway, back to today's subject. The Champions League, week one. Let's get into it right after this little ad. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right. Champions League. So the way I want to do this when we talk about Champions League, maybe I'll do this with other leagues too when I don't have a guest on during the week. That reminds me, I will have a guest next week. We're going to talk about some Canadian stuff, so stay locked in for that. Maybe I'll, I'll make an announcement once I get a time locked in. It is a long weekend here in Canada this week. Family day. So make sure you spend some time with your family this weekend. I believe the official day is Monday, which would make it the bank holiday day. So hang out with your, hang out with your family, whoever that may be. But anyways... We'll get that sorted out and we'll do some Canadian content next week. But the first thing I want to talk about, and I'm going to do some some takeaways from the game. This is how I want to do it. We'll just do some, just some small detailed ones. But the first one I want to talk about is in that PSG Bayern Munich game. So if you watch that game, Bayern Munich basically had all the possession in the first half, but couldn't find any end product they attacked 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 but there wasn't really much to show for it kingsley coleman i thought was their best attacker he had a couple of nice crosses in but nobody on the end of it joshua kimmich i believe that was in the first half if i remembering correctly or maybe the start of the second had a really good like half volley from the edge of the box that donna rumor had to get down and stop that was a good good play from both players joshua kimmich is fantastic football player to say the least and Donnarumma has shown up I still do believe Jordan Pickford should have won a Euro 2020 golden glove but I'll stand by that one forever and and it'll never change but anyway second half comes around Alfonso Davies the Canadian boy a lot of people were surprised he didn't start but I think there's something I'll talk about a little bit later on about the the strength of the squad Bayern Munich have and how they go out and do it and how it relates to PSG and what they could maybe learn from a team like Bayern Munich and what they've been able to do in the sustained success, not only in the domestic league, but also in in European football too. So anyway, Davies comes on in the first couple of minutes. He's got a big impact, whips in the ball with his left foot, goes right across the box. Kingsley Coleman gets on the end of it. Nice volley in. Donnarumma, did get a touch on it. Should he have saved it? Probably should have. Either way, ends up in the back of the net. 1-0 to Bayern Munich. Deservedly so. I think it's fair to say PSG didn't really cause any threats up until that point. If if any, maybe one, if I'm remembering correctly. But either way, 57 minutes. This is when it starts getting big for PSG. Kylian Mbappe comes on. You may have heard of him. He's quite good. Scored a hat-trick in the World Cup final. He comes on, immediate impact. Gets on the ball, dances down the wing, creates a chance there. Okay, good. Then he scores a goal. Gets disallowed. Shows a replay. Neymar shot, rebounds off. Uh, he was in goal for Bayern Munich. Jan Sommer, who they just signed as, as a replacement for Emmanuel Neuer, like you do. Just go and sign one of the best goalies in your league to replace probably the best goalie in the league still. So, rebound off Yansama, Kylian Mbappe, offside position, clear as day, no doubt in it. A few minutes later, get another chance. Neymar plays through, I believe it was Nuno Mens, plays it across, Mbappe scores. Mbappe was not offside, and it did look like 
it was a good goal. No one really claimed for it, but then they showed it on VAR. Knee was slightly off. Here's what it is. We're not going to sit here every week and just complain about VAR. Quite frankly, it's just exhausting. It's, I can't see VAR really leaving. I'll make some tweaks here and there, and hopefully it just gets better. But for what it's worth, that was offside from what they showed on the replay, so not really many arguments. But the point is that I'm trying to make, and my first big takeaway from this round of 16 Champions League ties is the impact Kylian Mbappe has on PSG makes him the most impactful player in the world. Now, he comes on. Neymar was pretty much invisible that entire game until Mbappe came on. He was directly involved in both those disallowed goals. He's the one that played it through to the left back, Nuno Mendes, and then he's the one who also had the shot on Mbappe's first disallowed goal. But with saying that, there was you kind of forgot he was playing until that moment. And then you have Messi on the other side of it. Messi is obviously Messi. We've had fantastic moments with him, and I'm not trying to dig in on the guys. It happens. But he was pretty irrelevant too. He had a couple of moments in the first half, but not really anything too threatening. Drew a couple of fouls. But it wasn't again until Mbappe came on the pitch that Messi became relevant to the game again. He had that shot blocked by Pavard, which probably saved a goal. And then he also later on, I believe it was the 90th, 91st minute, somewhere around there, Pavard had to tackle Messi as he was beating him with his pace. And Pavard got a red card, second yellow, so he'll be out for the second leg of this tie in Munich. But the common denominator in both of this is just the fact Mbappe was on the pitch. Mbappe, believe it or not, makes his PSG team better. I truly believe if Mbappe played that full game, Bayern Munich would not be going into the second leg with a 1-0 lead over PSG. I think Mbappe would have turned the game on its head like he did in that 33 minutes he was there. I saw a stat and it was it was in the 57 minutes leading up to Mbappe coming off the pitch, on the pitch, sorry, PSG had one chance created and zero shots on target. When he came on for that final 33 minutes, they had four chances created and four shots on target. That's not even including the two calls that were disallowed. It's pretty obvious. And I asked this question to our Discord, which is the 90th minute, if you can believe that's what it's called. I, swear, I promise you, that's what it is. I believe Brett kind of takes control of it and maybe even was a little bit too. But I asked, is Mbappe the most impactful player in the world right now? Vinny is trash responded to me. Thanks, Vinny. Shout out to you. He said, Mbappe is the whole reason PSG are dangerous. Just look at yesterday without him. Then compare their performance to when he was subbed on against Bayern Munich. And Bayern Munich couldn't attack more because of the threat of Mbappe. And I think that's very interesting the way you like put it at the end of like the threat of Mbappe. When you already have the threat of Neymar and Messi on the pitch. So this is going to sound like a very obvious point, but I'm going to say it anyway because I got I to gotta fill some time. So when you have the two of Messi and Neymar on the pitch together with Soler, I believe the other player was, I can't remember because he was so irrelevant to the game when they subbed him off. He was just another guy that was on the pitch to me. 
And I guess to that point, there was far too many passengers for PSG yesterday to even be considered a threat in this tournament without Mbappe. Messi and Neymar weren't great. Salah wasn't great. Uh, Verratti, I thought he was horrendous. Um, the Emre kid they had, the 16-year-old, I'm not even going to give him a review because he's 16 and now you have to start him in this match and maybe that's why. And that's something I want to get to in a second. But anyway... My point is, when you have that big three, it's obviously going to be way more of a threat going forward with Mbappe, Neymar, Messi. So I'm very curious now to see in the second leg if all three of those players are healthy and ready to go and fit. How is this going to go for Bayern Munich and how are they going to adjust? Because in just that 33 minutes of Mbappe, they struggled to contain him a lot. And at one point, it looked like the game was tied I'm ready to go in the favor of Paris. So we'll see what happens there. So to, to wrap up my whole point, Kylian Mbappe is the most impactful player in the world today. And that is a man on the same team as Messi. So I think it just says a lot of, of who Mbappe is today. So one thing quickly I want to touch on with Paris and uh, and Bayern, just the, the comparisons between the two is, Bayern Munich went out in January. Manuel Neuer got hurt. They had to replace him. Skiing accident, I believe it was, which sucks. They replaced him with Jan Sommer. Fantastic piece of business. Obviously very necessary to what Bayern Munich needed to do. They could have sat there on their hands and just gone with their backup, whoever that is. I, I don't know who it is, to be honest. They also go on a daily blend just to add some depth to their defensive unit some experience to the squad blend just started every single game at the world cup for the dutch team maybe he missed one in the groups and once they qualified but either way like he was an impactful player on that team and now they just bought him for my and he just is going to sit and be a squad rotation player for them just adding more depth to that team and then obviously the third big one they signed was jao Cancelo which really came from out of nowhere. Apparently there was some stuff that happened at City with Pep, with Cancelo, that they weren't seeing eye to eye anymore. But a lot of people regard him as one of the best fullbacks in the world. Like, never mind just the premierships. And now he's on Bayern Munich and he played the other day and Alfonso Davies started on the bench. But all of that just comes into the fact of the depth that Bayern Munich has. And then you can allow players like Alfonso Davies to sit on the bench. And then when they can come on at halftime, they can have an impact like exactly what happened. Now, when you flip that to Paris and Jemem, they just don't have that. They don't have the quality to come in behind that starting 11. Granted, there's a couple of players here and there and injuries are on that team right now. You have to start a 16-year-old Emery. You have to start um, Soler instead of Mbappe because you don't have him. He's unavailable until the, the 57th minute. And it's just... If PSG, and I, I spoke to this about Ian Holliman, with Ian Holliman, sorry, in episode one, if PSG want to maybe take that next step, they probably need to add some more depth behind that starting 11. I know they've changed the way they want to approach things this season with adding that youth into it, but you still need that mix. There's good ways to do it. Manchester City are doing it right now with, with Rico Lewis, and they did it with Phil Foden for a bit there too. You've got to... Uh, Cole Palmer is another guy who's kind of coming through. You've got to do it in a more organic way rather than, all right, we've got our starting 11. We've got our three or four bench players. The rest of you are just youth kids who are going to push through from our academy into the 
into the first team and then you're going to be the next generation. It's like, oh, it doesn't quite work that easy unless you're okay with not winning the Champions League, which I don't think PSG's owners are going to be okay if Christophe Galtier doesn't bring home a Champions League this season. But it's kind of on them a little bit too. Let me know what you think. Maybe I'm not fully understanding the PSG situation, but from my understanding, that's kind of what it is. But comment on this video on the YouTube or wherever I post this clip, whatever it is, and you can let me know. But for now, let's move on to our second point. I want to talk a little bit about that Chelsea Borussia Dortmund game. I think out of the four matches, that was the most exciting one. I think that's very fair to say there was a lot of attacking football from both teams. The one goal that was scored by Kareem Adeyemi. I believe that's how you say his name. I'm so bad at saying names. I just got to get a little... Maybe I'll just start inserting like... Do you know when you can Google like how to pronounce Kareem Adeyemi? I'll just start that, putting that into the clip instead of me trying to attempt to say the names. Maybe I'll just make a highlight reel of me not saying names correctly. But either way, to the match. That was a great goal. That was not planned by any means. Chelsea had just had a good sustained amount of pressure. And all of a sudden, he's down the field. He's sprinting 70 yards one-on-one with Enzo Fernandez, who, to his credit, probably did everything he could to prevent that goal from going in. But the pace was just too much for him. And they said on the broadcast that he was the fastest player in the Bundesliga. And if he didn't believe it before, you should probably start believing that now because he just proved how quick he is. So that was great. But I want to touch mostly on Chelsea in this situation. I guess to stay on maybe is a positive and negative opinion, I think is fair to say. So it is no secret how much money Chelsea have spent this window alone. Never mind what they did in January, in uh, sorry, the summer window as well. It's been kind of... Kind of insane is a good way to put it. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this from a football team before, and maybe someone can prove me right on that. But Chelsea have obviously had these moments where they go and spend a shit ton of money. Roman Abramovich was a big one when obviously he came in with Claudio Ranieri as the manager the first time. Is is that picture of him with Wayne, I think it's Wayne Bridges, Damien Duff with this is with Rennie area it is and I believe maybe Sebastian Varon was one of the other players there was one more in there I can't remember exactly who it was but there's that famous picture I was remembering in the, in the Chelsea white strips and then when Jose Mourinho came in they obviously went out and bought a bunch of players and too. Adrian Mewtwo comes to name uh Kesman is another one there was a, there were so many players over the years so Chelsea is not unfamiliar to doing this kind of business where they spend some money, but the market's obviously a little bit different now. But anyway, my point is, I think Chelsea were extremely exciting to watch yesterday. They played very good individual attacking football at moments, which I think is what the biggest critique is from them. I think this team needs some time to gel here under Potter, and I get it. The results are not going well for them. I think they have two wins in the last 13 or something like that. And it's obviously not good for a team like Chelsea, but I do think when you have that much talent, eventually it will kind of mold itself together. And Graham Potter is a fantastic football mind. And I don't think they would have brought him in 
without this being the plan. Obviously, the plan isn't to lose two of 13, but the plan is to spend big in January, which they did, Mudrich, uh, Jao Felix on loan, whoever else they got. There's a bunch of other players, but those guys are now going to be the future of this team. We'll see if Jao Felix, what happens with him, I suppose, but those other players are now going to be needed to molded under Graham Potter. And... I actually think Chelsea will still win this tie. Borussia Dortmund didn't show enough for me in an attacking sense to prove that they can cause enough threats consistently to beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. On the flip side, Chelsea caused them a lot of issues, especially in the first half, and Jao Felix could have probably had two goals. It was, I think Kai Havertz actually scored, but he was offside. And then Jao Felix hit the bar. He had another one that went just over the bar. Um, Mudrik was very good, I thought, uh, attacking direct a few times. And Reese James had a great chance in the second half, but good save by the Borussia Dortmund goalie there. So... I think Chelsea coming out of that match will think about it and think, you know what? This is our tie. We're moving on. And and on to continue that too, like Chelsea needs to win the Champions League because they are not getting into the Champions League next season in any other way. So I think they're going to put all their eggs in this one basket to go and win this tournament. And we saw it a few years ago too. I think it was the last time they won or maybe when they won Whenever that was. One of the times they won, they didn't qualify for the Champions League through the league. And they had to get there by winning it. And hey, it's Chelsea. They've 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 done it before. Why can't they do it again? But again, they still need a striker. I still think that striking prowess up front would be huge for this team. It is no secret. Everybody is talking about it. They've spent all this money but they still don't have a striker on the squad. I'm not a big fan of Kai Havertz. When the Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang deal happened, I was not a fan of that too, but I understood it. They need to go and find someone to put the ball in the back of the net. They also had that big chance at the end of the game too from Kula Bali that was cleared off the line by Emre Chan. Obviously, Kula Bali's there. He's obviously not supposed to be there in normal situations, but he was. If that was a more attacking player, someone with more of a finish in front of goal, I think we're looking at a 1-1 game. I really do. I think we're looking at a 1-1 game going into Stamford Bridge. Chelsea would have obviously taken that. But if you're a Chelsea fan listening to this, I wouldn't be fully defeated after what you've seen. I think there was a lot of positives. And I'm also curious to see what you think of Graham Potter now as the manager too. So let me know. Leave a comment in the video. Or leave me, do you know what? Maybe leave me a review somewhere too, wherever you're listening. If you're listening on YouTube, leave me a review. Let me know if you think I'm good. Number three, AC Milan and Tottenham. Now, I don't really know what I expected from this game. You've got two teams that inconsistent to how they probably should be performing is, is fair to say. Tottenham go from beating Manchester City in the league to then losing to Leicester, like, didn't see that coming. Then you have this one where AC Milan had lost. Let me get this correct. Lost 1-0 to Inter. Lost 5-2 to Swasolo. <laughs> lost 4-0 to Lazio. Lost 3-0 to Inter. Lost 1-0 to Torino. 
2-2-2 with Rome. Missed a couple there. But the point is, they have been pretty horrendous. Since coming back from the World Cup, they've won two games. But they made it number three against Tottenham because Tottenham just don't win big games. And this will be something that plagues Tottenham until they figure that out. So my, my takeaway is... And this is an interesting one, I think, because obviously AC Milan won the game, but I think it was an opportunity missed by both teams here in a massive, massive way. Tottenham did not create any chances at all. There was very little threat onto the goal of the AC Milan goalkeeper, who, I'm be honest, I'm not even going to try and say his name, not to be rude. Romanian goalie, 37 years old. How are you not threatening that guy? How are you not giving it everything you have? The only player that was really giving it for Tottenham yesterday, some giving him some chances from outside, was Saar, the 20-year-old midfielder who was making his Champions League debut. Had two pretty... One of them was better than the other one. Uh, shots from outside the box. But the point is, is like, at least you're giving it a go. At least you're putting a threat on the goal. I don't know if Harry Kane had a shot. I don't know if Son had a shot. Kuliseski was barely a threat in the match too. Like It's like, come on, you've got that big three. You were three of the best attackers in the Premier League last season. And now all of a sudden, it's just dried up over under Conte. And I just don't understand why Spurs can't have this attacking prowess about them. But I guess just to go back on Saar quickly, I thought he was absolutely fantastic for Tottenham yesterday he won three of five tackles one interception 12 recoveries uh one dribble it was dribble pass once I don't know what that was compared to but ground duels won 64 percent aerial duels won two of five committed two fouls and was fouled once he was just putting a lot of pressure on the AC Milan midfield and just let him know he was there being a bit of an agitator and if you want to call it that too so I liked him a lot. And also one thing on Tottenham too, like I said, the, the AC Milan's goalie wasn't even a number one goalie. How are you not capitalizing on that? I just, I didn't quite understand it from a Tottenham perspective. I feel like they should have maybe attacked a little bit more. They had a decent amount of possession too. So just wasn't their night, but at least they get to go home now and play the second leg in North London. And then on the AC Milan side too, they had two massive chances at the end of the game to give themselves a three-goal cushion going into the second leg. Malik Fowl had won a 21-year-old German centre-back. thought he actually had a really good game overall, but he had that one, and you're not expecting him to be much of a threat in front of goal, and he just put it wide. But the big one for me, which was alarming, to say the least, like this guy is at a, a very difficult time was playing in AC Milan and, and Syria in general, I guess is fair to say. But Charles de Ketelet, he had a great chance when he came off the bench and he just couldn't do it. And I would, I do want to learn a little bit more about this guy. He is, he's a Belgian player. Let me pull up his stats here so I don't get it incorrect. He's a Belgian-born, 21-year-old uh, center attacking midfielder. They got him from Anderlecht, I believe. The start, sorry, Club Bruges at the start of the season. 26 games this season for AC Milan and no goals. Now, I don't I don't watch Syria every single week. I've watched it here and there and but I do know when this guy came to them there was a lot of excitement. And then I also saw rumors that he could be going to Leeds on loan. So, 
I'm I'm very interested. If if you're an AC Milan fan or just a Serie A fan in general, like let me fill me in on some information on this kid. I wanna I wanna learn some more about him. So you can just hit me up on Twitter at Liam Horobin. But yes, my overall takeaway from the AC Milan and Tottenham game was the fact that neither team it felt like neither team truly wanted to take this tie by the balls and just give it give it a go. Just give it a go and do what they could. Maybe that'll come back and bite one of them in the backside when uh, the second leg comes around. I got a feeling it might be Tottenham. I do. I do think Tottenham can win, and I think they're probably happy they get the uh, the second leg at home. But uh, I think it might be tough. I think it might be tough. AC Milan might be a little bit healthier, so it's not going to help Tottenham. Conte may have to adjust and get to a more attacking threat, or... Maybe they just catch them on the right side of consistency of their inconsistency. We'll see. Let me know what you thought of the Champions League in general. I think uh, the first four games have all been pretty good. Next week, let's see what the ties are for next week. These things just they were drawn so long ago. You kind of forget who's going up against each other. So next Tuesday we have Frankfurt and Napoli. I'm very excited for that one actually. I think that's uh, it's a pretty underrated tie. It kind of reminds me of. Uh, a little bit of what I thought about Chelsea and Dortmund when it was initially drawn. They won like, oh yeah, that's two teams that could do all right. But Napoli could legit win the Champions League this season. And nobody seems to want to give them any credit for what they've been able to do as a whole. Their group was tough. Liverpool, Ajax and Rangers, and they finished first. Now they're going up against the Europa League winners in Frankfurt. So we'll see on there. And we have Liverpool and Real Madrid. Who knows? Who knows in that one? Liverpool, uh, well, both those teams, I guess, are just two European giants who just go and win this tournament for fun half the time or at least get to the final in Liverpool's sake. Wednesday, Inter Milan FC Porto. That'll be a fun one. And then we have Leipzig and Manchester City. So here's the thing. So City, obviously, a big win yesterday now against Arsenal. Leipzig. Up until Saturday when they lost to Uni in Berlin, I believe they were undefeated in like 17 games. There it is. Their last loss in all competitions was September 17th against Borussia Mönchengladbach when they lost 3-0 away from home. Since then, they've climbed up the Bundesliga table. They're currently in fifth with 36 points. And they, the last game, the next game they lost was, yep, February 11th against Union Berlin. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's an, going to be another exciting round of Champions League football. We'll talk about it next week. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll see if Waz is doing something. Maybe I'll call up on Waz and see if he wants to jump on with me. But Europa League too. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Europa League football. And also Europa Conference League. I think there's so many good games in there, obviously. Barcelona, Bayern Munich is... Uh, sorry, Barcelona, Manchester United. I bet Barcelona wishes they were playing Bayern Munich. I mean, they were still in the Champions League. Barcelona, Manchester United. That'll be a great one. Leverkusen versus Monaco. I'm really excited for that one too. Uh, there was one in the Europa Conference League that I was looking forward to. Oh, yeah. Braga versus Fiorentina. And also Lazio. I think Lazio are a very fun team to watch. They're greasy, but... They got a lot of talent on that team. But there you go. I think when we do these uh, these midweek ones from these week, f- next couple of weeks here, we'll, uh, 
We'll incorporate some other segments into it. We're still getting into the groove of things here at the uh, at extra time. So I think I want to do a little bit more on Bolton. I just think I had to watch their match the other day. They did beat MK Dong's 5-0, though. We're now up to third in League One. Up the Football League we go. And then... I don't know who it plays. I kind of take them week by week by Bolton. But anyway, I wouldn't mind talking about them a little bit more. I want to make sure I do some Canadian content every single week. Obviously, we had Alfonso Davies, which we spoke about in this show. Tejon Buchanan also played today in the Champions League with Club Bruges. I got to go and catch up on that game. So maybe next time we talk, I'll do a little bit on what I thought of Tejon Buchanan. Like I said, at one point in this show, we do have a guest next week good canadian youtuber if you want to go on and find out who he is i think he's around 10k subs so we'll talk to him about some canadian stuff and yeah i guess we'll catch up on a little champions league too and then we'll we'll see from there we'll just keep going we'll go show by show but if you're listening thank you very much i do appreciate you listening and tell a friend let's start doing that thing you've probably seen that tiktok trend where it's like take this or double it and pass it to the next guy let's do that Let's take this podcast, pass it on to the next guy, and then tell them they have to tell two people, and then we'll go four, eight, 16, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to do that even if you want, because I need some listeners, to be honest. So that's it for me. Thank you very much for listening. This is a very late episode I'm recording right now. It is 12.32 a.m., but I was just in the groove, so I wanted to get it out there. But thank you very much for listening. Let me know what you think of the Champions League games that just happened. A lot of this will be cut up into some YouTube videos. So just comment on there. Leave a review if you want. Thank you very much. And I will see you on the flippity flop. Summer's just around the corner. So give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.